Tonight, as I mentioned, we're, uh, we're going to be exploring the uh, topic of church membership. Now, last couple of times we've met, we've talked about uh, baptism. We've talked about uh, communion, which are two things that maybe most of us are familiar with or we've seen in some, uh, some fashion before. But for some of us, the idea of church membership might be a little bit more uh, vague, a little bit more uh, mysterious and confusing. And so that's why I thought it would be appropriate for us to end our summer series series talking about this particular subject to correct or clarify uh, and maybe even just uh, clear up any misunderstandings that we actually have about this particular subject, um, but also to expose you to the benefits and the importance of actually being a formal church membership. Because my desire is for us to actually see young people who have been baptized, who are already identifying with Jesus, who are taking communion, to actually see that church membership is actually something that's available to them right now and not this far-off concept for uh, one day when I hit adulthood or when I reach some type of level of spiritual maturity that I don't even know what it might be. So that's why tonight we're going to uh, talk about this uh, subject, but I want to just maybe think about for a moment why maybe people don't value church membership or why it's not something uh, that a lot of people consider or we could even say these are sometimes the threats of church membership in our culture today uh, the first threat is what i call kind of the threat of isolation and what i mean by that is that um, for a lot of people we don't especially for maybe americans we just don't mind being alone we don't mind doing things on our own and honestly you know that term isolation is a term that we've gotten a little bit more familiar with the last couple of years because of the covid world that we've lived in a lot of people church has become kind of more of a my personal experience type thing i can just watch church from home it's convenient um and so isolation has become kind of a real threat to people kind of leaning further into the church rather uh and said leaning away from it another threat other than isolation is individualism and when i say individualism that might sound like a big word but really it kind of expands upon this idea i was just talking about there is that sometimes uh especially in our american society uh we view personal rights uh with the highest authority uh, we value our own um, privileges, and we desire for ourselves to be in charge, not necessarily others. Which feeds into another reason why people maybe don't commit to church membership is honestly just skepticism. Uh, you guys live in a world right now that wants you to question authority, whether it's a governing authority, whether it's a police officer, whether it's a teacher. There's a lot of different ways that right now you're being told to question authority to be skeptical about authority and yes that does have effects within the church where you're taught to question authority my hope is tonight to kind of debunk some of the mystery behind that and then also honestly consumerism uh, this goes off of kind of the, co the covid world we've lived in where we're very comfortable with just kind of showing up to church and church being about what do i get out of church what's this church doing for me um, you're merely a spectator like you are at a baseball game or a play or a movie where it's all about is this serving my needs and what I get out of it. And it's a very consumeristic mindset. 
So tonight, we're going to try to debunk some of those things by properly understanding what church membership actually is. So there's different questions that we're going to consider tonight. The first one is this. What is church membership? So if you're taking notes or you're thinking through this, what is church membership? And sometimes the easiest way to understand what something is is by understanding what it is not. And so what it is first not is self-serving. Church membership is not self-serving. And the reason I have to say it that way is because when I, when I use the word uh, membership or to be a member of something, what, what automatically comes to your mind when you hear that term member or membership? What do you think? Amazon Prime, right? And so when we think of membership there, we think about the, the privileges and the benefits that come from being a Prime member, right? I get two-day shipping, right? I get special deals, things like that, right? So that's one way we think about membership. How else? Where are places that we have memberships, potentially? What? At a gym, right? A gym membership. Maybe a golf, uh, golf center, right? Or a Sam's Club, or I guess we don't, I don't know, there's not many Sam's Clubs. Uh, Costco, right? How many of you are Costco people? Yeah, Costco membership, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Nice. Loud and proud, right? Love that Costco, right? But even like band or National Honor Society, right? There's, there's these memberships that a lot of times we hold, but a lot of it is not so much about what we're giving out to others, but the rights and the privileges that come to us. And that's why we have to kind of rethink what we mean when we talk about church membership. There are certain privileges that coming from, come from being a church member, but understand that when we talk about being a formal church member, we're talking about something that goes beyond just what am I going to get out of it. In fact, in many ways, it's not so much what you're going to get out of it as much as it is what you're going to put into it and be a part of. Uh, so membership is not self-serving. We're also going to talk about how membership is not salvific. And what I mean by that is that being a church member does not automatically uh, make you a Christian. In the same way that baptism does not make you a Christian. In the same way that taking communion does not make you a Christian. It's not intended, uh, it's intended more than anything to make a statement that you have been saved and belong to a specific community of believers. So it's not meant to be this initiation saying like, oh, now I'm a Christian because I'm a church member. It has no value in that sense, but it is meant to affirm. And if the church is doing it right, it should give you greater confidence in what God is doing in your life. So what actually then is church membership? So if it's not uh, some type of self-serving or salvific act, what actually is it then? I think when we look at the Bible, we see what church membership is. It's a tangible expression of Christian identity. It's a tangible expression of your Christian identity. We read just a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in particular verse 14. That's where we get that term member, why we call it uh, being a member of a body. Because he says in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So that term member here comes from this passage. Member communicates being a part of a whole. In other words, you belong to other people outside of just yourself. Uh, you're not 
uh, some lone ranger Christian off on your own doing your own thing in the same way that the body is not just have rogue parts that are doing their own thing, right? There's not just feet that are just flying around, right? Like everything belongs to one. I know it's a weird thought, right? But it's the way you have to think about it, right? So no, it's that you belong to other people. And really membership in the church is what we would say is a sign of commitment as well. It's a sign of commitment. So think about it this way. We've got some married couples in here. So this, uh, this wedding ring here, we have to have this conversation with our girls under, uh, to understand this. This wedding ring that is on my, my finger here does not make me married. Okay? For some of you, you're like, wait, what? And others of you are like, well, yeah, duh. No, this, this wedding ring here does not make me married, but it is a sign that shows my commitment to someone else. In a similar way, church membership does not make you, like I said, a Christian. But it shows your uh, commitment to a specific church body, a local team of believers. So think about it this way. We talked about baptism a few months ago. Baptism is what identifies you with the larger church body. When I say the larger church body, I mean what's called the universal church. When I say universal church, I mean Christians all over the world. So there are Christians in our country. There are Christians in China. There are Christians in India and in Africa, whatever you want to say. That is when you talk about that, you are all part of the family of God in the sense that you are all Christians. You are all united by the same blood of Christ That is the universal church. But when we talk about being a formal church member, a member of a local church body, we're talking about identifying with a particular single church that you are uh, surrounding yourself with that community to work together for God's glory in that church. Uh, so in other words, you're still on Team Jesus, but you're also then on, an example for us would be like Team Newcastle Bible Church. So think about it this way. Though you are part of the universal body of Christ, you cannot belong to others around the world like you can to the local church, right? So I can't relate to the Christians in China or Africa or even Canada in a way that I do to the people who are in the congregation at a Newcastle Bible Church. And even as an elder, you know, I'm a pastor, I am an elder in this church, I have no authority over Christians who are in other congregations, right? They're still my brothers or sisters in Christ, but I don't have, my, my authority does not extend to other churches the way that it has been given to particular Newcastle Bible Church. Uh, Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, where he exhorts the elders in his lo the local church. He says, shepherd the flock of God, and he adds this, among you. Notice he doesn't say shepherd the flock of God wherever you go. He says Sh shepherd the flock of God among you, meaning there is a particular group of people that have been entrusted to your care. Those are the ones that you are responsible for. To oversee. Now, we see that throughout the New Testament, churches were communities of believers in specific locations, right? So you have like 
the church in Antioch, the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Corinth. Most of these New Testament letters that we read about are to specific church bodies where there were people who were invested and committed not to all those churches, but specifically to that church that was in their community. So church membership, what it is, is to particularly identify and commit yourself to that local church community. Now, that's kind of what church membership is. And we need to ask ourselves, what actually comes with church membership? What are some of the, the benefits or the expectations that come along with being a church member? Well, some benefits uh, that come from it, because again, it's not just about benefits, but there are some benefits that come with it, um, is really what I would call something like spiritual affirmation. Spiritual affirmation. You think about most of the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament, what is some of the what is one of the most common ways that he opens his letters to local churches? What is he usually doing when he writes to them? What's he usually saying, first off? What up, homies? He does say greetings in some ways, yeah. But usually one of the first things that he does is he thanks God for them. He praises God for the work of grace that's going on in their life. He's affirming the obvious work that God is doing in them. Uh, their calling, their salvation. And so when we think about church membership, you know, we talk about a process, especially at like our church, where people who want to become church members, it's not just like we, you know, they say, hey, I want to become a church member, and we just sign on the dotted line, and boom, you're done. No, we have people actually meeting with our church leadership and our elders, and we talk through just to hear their testimony and to give just... Uh, to give glory to God for the work that he's doing in their life to make sure that really what's there is true evidence of saving faith because nobody would want that if they weren't actually walking in the truth. But even more importantly than just spiritual affirmation uh, for being a church member, this is kind of probably the bigger thing is spiritual accountability. If you have your Bibles, go over to Hebrews chapter 13 for a moment. Um, if there's any single verse on church membership uh, that I love more than any, it's Hebrews 13, 17. Um, somebody want to read Hebrews 13, 17 uh, out loud for us? Nice and loud so everyone can hear. AJ, go for it. Okay, so when we think about spiritual accountability here, notice that phrase, they keep watch over your soul. They keep watch over your soul. Who keeps watch over your soul? Now, in this context here, it says your leaders. It says obey your leaders. And that, that context, what it means is your, your spiritual leaders. Those who watch over your souls are your spiritual leaders, which we know from the Bible speaks of elders, pastors, teachers, who God has given to the church for that specific pur purpose. Now, that's pretty significant when you think about it, right? Because God has not given the responsibility to pastors just to 
just to teach, not just to make sure people show up on Sundays, not just to keep ministries going. But no, he says one day spiritual leaders, elders, pastors will stand before God and they will have to give an account for those who were under their care because their responsibility was to watch over their soul. Every time I study this, every time I, I, I prepare to teach on this, it's really humbling to me to remember what God has called our church leaders, including myself, to do. That I'm responsible for the people in our church, not to, to save them, but to make sure that once they are a part of God's family, to care for their souls, to make sure they're walking in truth. And that's hard work. Honestly, weeks like this have been really hard. There's been hard things because there's a lot of soul care going on in our church where there are just difficult things that you have to deal with. But you know what? That's why the church exists. And as a church member, I'll put it this way. If you are a Christian, greater spiritual accountability is something that you should desire and not run away from. If you're trying to live on the periphery, so that nobody really knows what's going on in your life. You're comfortable just kind of to show up and be there and kind of get out and not really open yourself for others to like actually speak into your life, to watch over you, to help care for your soul. If that's you, that should be concerning. If you're, if you're truly a born-again believer, a Christian, you should greatly desire for greater spiritual accountability. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't trust my own, my own heart. My heart is deceitful. It is wicked. It's sinful. And I need other people in my life to help me with that. And so that is a huge thing that comes with being a church membership. It's just saying, you know what? I want to be a part of something where you are helping watch over my soul. So that I can walk in greater obedience and greater faithfulness and greater joy for the Lord, Because notice what he says here in this verse, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you, right? For, for, for people to not submit and to obey and to really follow the shepherding of a local church is actually of no benefit to you. If it's uh, something that leaders are groaning and complaining because, man, these people are they're just being so stubborn about these things, guess what? That, that impacts you. That impacts the type of care and the shepherding and the, the teaching and the leading that you receive then in return. You see the reciprocal nature of it there. And so you may ask yourself, and so what does a church member actually do? Like what's, what's so great about being a church member? What is it that the Bible actually says church members are called to do? Well, there's a lot of things, but I think that the, the five things that jump out to me that as I look at the Bible uh, speak to this. I mean, one is obviously to attend regularly, right? To actually be an active part of the church body. Hebrews 10, 25, if you were to go back a few pages there, reminds us not to forsake assembling together. That's why it was a big deal for COVID for a long time where we understood for a while there was maybe a reason to be separated, but after a while... It, there was a great desire and a need for God's people to be back together because they don't do well separated as individuals. They need to belong to one another. So attending regularly, praying continually, 
right? Prayer is something that you are expected to do as a believer. You are called to pray for your leaders, to pray for one another, to pray for your global partners, those who are serving the church around the world. So attending and praying. Thirdly, actually giving cheerfully. When we talk about giving, we talk about uh, kind of a stewardship of your time, your talents, and your treasures. What do I mean by that? Uh, Your time, meaning your energy, actually giving yourself to be at church functions, to be a part of things. Your talents, meaning that when you are there, when you give your time to it, that you are using the abilities that God has given you, the talents, the skills, to not just be passive and to be a consumer, but to actually serve other people, to love other people, pray for other people. So you're giving your time, your talents, and then your treasures. That is financial, right? Now I understand that you're like, oh, I'm a student, I'm broke, I don't have money, which some of that might be true. But for others of you, I know that it's not true. There are ways that, yeah, like if you were to consider being a member, then yeah, there is an expectation of just cheerfully giving because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And as we just talked about from Hebrews 13, 17, fourthly, it's to submit willingly. I said it before, let it be a joy for your elders, your leaders to shepherd you and not a burden, not a pain. Think of your way that you can even go out of your way to show love and support for those who are doing that type of work. And I'm not saying that just because I'm standing here. I I see into the life of our elders and our pastors on a daily basis, and it's hard work. There's ways that you can make that a joy and encourage them and build them up because they desperately need it. And then as I mentioned already, kind of a fifth reason or fifth way that we do so is to uh, what members do is that you serve joyfully. Um, this is even something on Sunday mornings Pastor Kevin's been talking about here, but serving joyfully, using the gifts that God has given to you. You go to church not just to uh, you go to church to give, not just to get, in other words. Uh, you know, remember we are members of one body. The the New Testament speaks of almost forty different commands that Christians are expected to do towards one another within their local churches. They're called to encourage one another, to build one another up in the faith, to pray for one another, serve one another, love one another, care for the needs of one another, counsel one another. We go on and on about all these one another's. Guess what? Those are things you cannot do on your own. God calls you to lean further into the church to be a part of such things. I actually love the way... Rosaria Butterfield says uh, this about the church. She says, church membership exists to help us stay the course, to not give up when things get hard, to be reminded in the wilderness of sin and doubt, to fix our eyes upon Jesus and his glory. Membership is a pledge to show up in each other's lives. That's, that's awesome. That's weighty. That's not easy, but man, when the church operates that way, it's an awesome thing. It's a beautiful thing to see people actually saying, you know what? I want to be more of what God is doing in a church. Again, it's cliche, but it's true. We talk all the time. Church is not a building, right? Like I know we're in a building that was specifically designed for church services and whatnot, but the church is not a building. It is a people. It is 
a local community of believers who are working together for God's glory. So why should you become a church member then? Well, first of all, for the joy of your church leaders. You know, the larger a church is, the more intensive uh, the spiritual care of a church is. And I'll put it this way. It helps for you to know who are really your sheep and who are not. Um, you know, you think about a church like Newcastle size. We probably have on a Sunday close to 500 people who are there. But not everybody is a church member. And honestly, sometimes that makes things really hard to know, like, who actually is the ones who are needing the shepherding care. You have to know who is truly submitting themselves to the leadership of that church saying, like, listen, I want, I want the church leadership to lead me and to guide me and to pursue me and to care for me. It helps to truly know which sheep actually belong to your flock versus those who are just kind of floating around. Too many Christians today play the church dating game. You know, it's like I try out this church for a little while. I like some of the things here, but maybe the moment I don't like something or somebody makes me upset, I just go somewhere else. That's not how God designed the church to be. Guess what? If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it. And if you find a perfect church, you probably should leave because you automatically make it imperfect. Right? Like that's, we're sinful people. There's always going to be sin amongst people in the church. But by the grace of God, we can work together to actually serve one another and build one another up. So why become a church member? For the sake of your leaders, but also for the sake of your own soul talked about that already but for the sake of your own soul uh, this is the other side of that coin right by committing to membership you are saying you are a sheep who wants and needs a shepherd you affirm that you want all the benefits of a member while also wanting to partner in the work of the church we use that term partner a lot as we think about membership as well i, I like that term i still like Member, because it is a, a word that the scripture uses, but also partner is a word that Paul uses to describe his ministry with other people. When we think about a partnership, there's ownership in that. You know, to be a partner like in a business means that there's investment, there's something at stake. Um, and as Christians, you should want to be a part of the work that God is doing in the church. As I've said before, as a Christian, your, your desire should always be to lean further into the church rather to find ways to lean away from it. And the reason I'm so passionate about this and so excited to talk about this with especially you guys at a young age is because for too many of you that I've seen over the years, when I say that I mean students, you're entering into that next stage of adulthood. I do say that because some of you are right on the cusp of that, where you will be able to make more decisions for yourself, have greater freedoms, and that for many people, unfortunately, this is a time where they say, you know what, the church becomes pretty peripheral to me. Uh, it was one thing to go with mom and dad back in the day, but now it's kind of my decision, and I'll do it when maybe it's convenience, and then gradually, slowly over time, just kind of doesn't become a priority anymore. My great desire for you is that tonight, this week, the weeks ahead, 
that you start to rethink that mindset and you start to say, you know what, maybe this is actually the time in my life where I need to start to really think about what it means to be committed to a church so that I can actually carry this with me the rest of my life and not just later on when I think I'm ready for it. You know, there was a uh, years ago when I was in seminary, one of the guys who was a, a leader of our Bible study, I think I've asked, I think I've brought this before group before, but he, he asked a, a really interesting question that I think somebody asked him at one point, and it was this question. It was a question of if somebody were to ask you which of these two things was more important to your Christian life, what would you say? Two things were Bible reading, personal uh, time in God's word and scripture reading, right, devotional. Maybe we just put it that way, personal devotional time in the word or deep commitment to a local church body. What would you actually say to that? And I think for most of us, the way we grow up and we think to ourselves is, well, there's nothing more valuable than my personal devotional time in the word, the Lord. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying here tonight. I don't want you to take away that Scott says that's not important because that's very much not the case. In fact, it's great value to you. The fact that you've been given that awesome opportunity. But I think when we look at the way the Bible is set up and the way it talks about the New Testament church, I actually do believe that the church is of the greatest spiritual benefit and value to you. Think about something for a moment that maybe you haven't thought about before. When did Bibles become rapidly available to the general public? What do you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it this way. The printing press wasn't even invented until the 1400s, right? And it was still probably several centuries before people just had access to Bibles. And even if you did have a Bible back then, that was considered a very wealthy thing to be able to have. So you ask yourselves, well, for 1400, you know, 1400 years, 14,000 years, 1400, gosh, 1400. <laughs> Neither of these are sounding correct. 14, 1500 years, what were people doing? How did they study God's word? How did they do that? Well, you know how they did it? They did it in community together within a church context. They did it in a church body with other believers together, growing, studying, praying, serving. That's God's design. That's the way he wants you to actually commit to the local church and why it is of value to you. And so as we wrap this up and we think about what this actually means for you here tonight, I just wanted to kind of think about this practically, right? Because some of you are like, okay, I see the value in this, but I don't, I don't really know what this actually means or what this looks like for me. And that's okay if that's, that's you. But, but here's, I wanted to have some tangible takeaway from this um, because some of you are probably thinking like, this actually might be something I'm interested in and something that I'd like to pursue. And if that's you, uh, that's awesome because, again, my desire for years has been to see baptized students become church members for all the reasons that we just discussed here tonight. And, I mean, again, I don't know where we went astray thinking that a teenager can't or shouldn't be a church member. But if you belong to God, if he has saved you, if you have identified with his uh, universal church through baptism. I think the Bible makes it very clear that you should be spiritually accountable to a local church. 
and should desire that. And that you are called to carry out those expectations of church members to one another. And so here's, here's what I want to offer to you and suggest to you. Um, I know for a lot of you, school just started up this week. Um, but I, I would love for you to consider in two weeks, two weeks, so two weeks from tonight, on August 31st, uh, we're going to hold a special one-night church membership class. You've probably heard in our church that we do church membership classes. A lot of times those are on Sunday mornings or in the Sunday school hours. Sometimes we do them on Saturday mornings for like a couple of hours. We're going to do a special church membership class on Wednesday night, August 31st, at the church, specifically for students and leaders who are looking to pursue church membership. And I would love for a number of you to be at that. To be very clear, just going to the class does not commit you to church membership, right? So it's not like, oh man, if I show up, there's no turning back. It's not the case. It's a way for you to learn what church membership looks like at Newcastle, what we're all about, why we're excited about what the Lord is doing in our church, and why we want you to be a part of that as well. That's what church membership class looks like for us. It's fun. We enjoy doing it. It's a blast. We might have some special snacks, you know, if that's not enough to entice you. I don't know what else is. But I would love for you to think about it. I actually have uh, a sign-up sheet here tonight. Um, I know it's like, you're like, oh, I made to talk about it with my parents and stuff. That's totally fine. But if some of you are like, yeah, I, I, I'm at least interested in it, you can, ex- you can express that tonight. You can write your name on the thing just so I can follow <laughs> up with you if you're interested so you can get some more information about it uh, for that evening. Okay? Before we close, any questions about anything that I talked about tonight? I know I threw a lot at you, but any questions about any of the material that we discussed tonight on the subject of church membership? Is it is it clearer or is it fuzzier? Clearer? Think so? I'm like getting clearer. <laughs> Not sure what to make of that. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll pray. And if you have more questions, again, about the subject or about the class we're going to have in two weeks, uh, let me know. Okay, we'll, we'll be around tonight. Uh, after this, I'll give some instructions for what's, what's next here tonight. But let's pray and uh, close out our time. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for uh, the evening together. Thank you for this group. Thank you for their teachability, their attention, and... Uh, uh, it's a fun group, Lord. I, I love these students so much. I love to do ministry with them. And above all, Lord, I love to see them grow in their knowledge of you and their love for the church. And it is my desire tonight to just, just ask you to use what we've learned to stir in our hearts a greater love and affection for what you're doing with local church congregations. Um, I don't, sometimes, Lord, these things are so clear in my mind that it's almost hard to communicate it to others, but I just so desire that you would help them to see it uh, the way that you have set it forth so clearly in Scripture, and for us to love uh, the church and the people that you have given to us in our local uh, church congregations, whatever that might look like. So uh, just pray for your favor, Lord, on our students. Thank you for them. Pray for them as uh, many of them have uh, started back up at school. Uh, this week, please um, help them to be uh, lights for Jesus, uh, to 
um, point others to, to Christ in their words, in their actions, in their, uh, Lord, their demeanor, whatever it may be. Just pray that Jesus would look good on them and all that they do. Ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.